met Vaz 2000, I'm going to say 2002-2003. Great guy. We were on a, a fairly large project. Vaz would tell us how beautiful his wife was. But amongst guys, we would we would have this kind of teasing each other and jogging each other a bit. Anyways, so Vaz tells his wife is beautiful. It's just sweetheart and whatever. And we said, okay, you know, yeah, right, right, right. Anyways, Gino comes to me and says, Rob, come here, you gotta come see us. I go, well, what is it? He goes, Vaz's wife's here, she's downstairs. I said, he goes, you gotta see her. I said, what, really? He goes, yeah, 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 come. So come down this, the stairs of this project. As I'm walking down, I see this, tall, dark-haired woman walking around and she goes, hi, I'm Kirisi, and she has this accent, and I shake her hand and Gina looks at me and he's got an ear-to-ear -ear grin and Vaz wasn't kidding. She's a very beautiful girl. And we're sitting there going, how did you get her? Right out loud. So it was, it was a fun time and he's smiling ear-to-ear. Our kids were approximately the same age, year or so apart, um, and um, they headed off. And my wife uh, Nadia and his wife Chrissy headed off, and we get together. And, and the kids uh, were young; they were very young still. So at that stage, you know, there was their interaction was very limited. We didn't live close to each other, but when we did get together, they hung around. They got along fairly well, especially the girls. Roy's hockey, he was in it all the time. So I would call him, go, so what are you up to? He goes, oh, I'm all, he was either traveling somewhere every weekend, all the time. It was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. He was involved with hockey, very dedicated. And I used to say to him, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Roy obviously was very good at it. And if he's good at it, he had to like it. So, and his dad supported him in, in every way. Do you remember when the tragedy happened? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Um, um, <sighs> sorry. You, you show up at this event and you can't get in. You can't get into the house, it's cordoned off. And then, you know, you hear uh, your son is, is, has passed away inside. And then the first time that you, you get a chance to actually see them. Hmm. So that was the first time I felt the power of the Lord. That was the first true prayer he answered for me. And the reason I say that is I was able to say goodbye to Vana, my youngest daughter, at the hospital when, when we were all there. Um, but I didn't see Roy that day. And 10 days passed from the day of the tragedy to the day of the viewing. And I remember the day before the viewing, waking up and realizing that tomorrow I'm gonna have to see my boy in a casket. Mm. It was, I was terrified. There's no other word to describe what I was feeling. I literally was shaking in fear. I remember that whole day just shaking and praying and the only words that were coming out of my mouth, Jesus gave me strength. Jesus comfort my heart. Jesus gave me the courage to go because I did not want to go to the viewing. I did not, I was convinced I was not going to show up the next day. And that whole day I prayed those prayers. Uh, that next day I woke up and I felt better. I knew I had to go through with it. I was the father. It was just, it was a, a fear that I've never experienced before. I remember getting to the the funeral home and Victoria and myself, we had some alone time with all three of them, which was very, very difficult. There was approximately 4,000 people that showed up to the uh, the funeral home. Uh, the lineup to get to, <laughs> to get to me, what I heard was two to three hours. People waited in line. I, I stood up at the front of the line and I greeted 
uh, everybody that came through that door. And that's where I, uh, the, the miracle of the prayers worked for me. That was the first time I felt his powers because that day, there was times where I felt like I was gonna fall down and I just felt the Lord pick me up. And I stood there for eight hours and I greeted 4,000 people. And I remember that I was consoling uh, everybody that was coming through the door and I was telling them it's gonna be okay and just be strong. And um, it was amazing, the power and the strength I felt on that day. I really truly felt the Lord that day and that's the first time he answered my prayers and I, I knew he was real. It was amazing. It was amazing that day that, that what, he's, what he did for me. Well, the good thing is it brought a lot of us back together, the core group, because um, we all have our lives and we all have our different children at different ages. And I mean, we all live in the same area, but this brought us all back together. And it was a village that held hands with Vass and Victoria in the middle. And we all were a circle around them. And we all helped each other to get through what we had to go through. So the funeral planning, um, people are extremely generous and supportive and my heart was filled with love. There was no hate. Um, it was just a community of beautiful people helping in this time of tragedy and I was overwhelmed with the love that we felt. We were blessed again with uh, a multitude of people, family and friends that, that uh, my house was filled for months on end, two to three months. Yeah, there yeah. was always a minimum of five to 10 people here, up to 30 to 40 people here that were here daily, supporting us with, with everything from food and comfort and love and things that needed to get done that I just didn't have the strength to take care of. I couldn't do it on my own. Yeah. And that was a very powerful moment in my life that I, I, I felt my prayers were answered. After all the things came up of what took place, everybody was coming to the house. And I didn't know if I should come to the house. I said to my wife, I said, I, I don't want to interrupt. She said, no, go. You got to go. So we got here and I saw Vaz and uh, Vaz was in a state of just like a zombie. He said, well, the house was full, rammed. And, and that's kind of what I was kind of unsure of whether I should be there or not, because I figured there'd be so many people and didn't know really what to do. So uh, I came back on the weekend. They were all sitting here on a table. I told Baz this. They pulled out the Bible. And they, uh, they opened up and started reading. It, it just moved me. In it, in it, and I said to him later on, I don't know if he even recalls, I said, to me, that was a miracle. There was something I can't even probably describe or, or know the words to describe. I felt a presence that I couldn't explain and the love in the room. And until you actually experience that, I don't think anybody would be able to uh, to comprehend it. And that was a moment that changed, that was a pinnacle moment that changed me right there. So where did anger come in? I can't really say that there was that much anger in my heart. Um, I was broken. Mm -hmm. I was broken. I didn't think about anything about 
him during that time, I was mourning. I was sad. I was really sad. I was sad and broken, really. That's, those are the, the best way I could explain my, my feelings in those, those first couple of weeks. But I do remember um, a very good friend of mine, John, he came and visited me a few weeks after, uh, probably a couple of weeks after the funeral. And he would come visit me a couple times a week and we would sit outside and just have a good chat. And, you know, it just dawned upon me because he was asking me questions about him. And uh, it dawned upon me he, that he didn't really come into my mind. And I just realized at that point that um, I had forgiven him already. Well, this is one of the biggest changes I've noticed about Vass. He wasn't a forgiving guy when I knew him. And when he told me, Rob, I've forgiven him and I've prayed for him. And I just was quiet. And um, there was a kind of envy, you know, like, like that's incredible. And then he explained, you have to forgive. You do it for yourself, but you also do it because this is what's being asked of us. And as it says, it's, this, it's you know, they say, as Jesus said, it's easy to forgive your loved ones, but those who basically who persecute you or wish you ill will, those are the ones you pray for or who hurt you, those are the ones you pray for. It's almost like uh, that separates the men from the boys. That's the challenge. If you can get to that point, I guess you start receiving the Holy Spirit because that's what you have to do to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, you have to forgive, you have to repent, you have to have faith, and these you won't receive the Holy Spirit, from what I understand, unless you do these things. And he's done it. And I said to him not too long ago, I said, I'm envious of you. I said, because where you are, I want to be. And uh, and he just says, Robbie, you'll get there. You're on the right path. The way I look at it is that I think he forgave in order for himself to be able to go forward, to move on and, and be able to have a relationship with his daughter, Victoria. Like from a young age, he he has like an addictive personality where he can he can get into some bad stuff like he did in his past. And I was worried about that. I was worried that he, you know, like is this going to trigger something where he might get into drugs or alcohol. And, and thank God, like the one thing that I did notice, and that's why I said I noticed that light is that he really clung to scripture and from the beginning and, and right from the beginning yeah. and i don't think god was ready to let him go not that there weren't temptations absolutely oh you saw oh, you yeah. saw the evil around you you saw oh, the yeah. temptations with uh certain people that would come by that would try to Lure him back. Lure to the him other side. back into the that side and disrupt things. Yeah. I, I, I did talk to him and I go, listen, I go, just the, remember, the devil's go, not done with you the yet. The devil's not done with you, you know, with us yet. And I go, so you got to stay strong in your faith right now. I mean, this is this is the lesson of forgiveness. It doesn't matter the person that you're, you're, you are forgiving, doesn't matter where they are in the world. They don't know if you are living in joy and happiness or living in sorrow and sin and maybe turning to drugs and turning to alcohol. 
they don't know the difference. So mm-hmm. by you forgiving them doesn't help them. What it does is it heals you and you could truly forgive somebody because mm-hmm. that peace comes to you, that healing comes to you. And that's that's the match. That's the power of forgiveness. It's self-healing. And I realized that. And I, like I made that promise to myself years before that no matter what happens to me in my life, I will always forgive people. Don't matter how big or how small. So that guy's sitting there in jail and he doesn't he doesn't know whether you're you're eaten up with grief mm-hmm. or anger towards him mm-hmm. or you've forgiven him mm-hmm. but you know i do know yeah because i'm sitting here today and the lord's giving me strength and i could i have that peace and that joy in my heart still no matter what because i know the lord has my children i know the lord has chrissy so what do you do do you move backwards do you stay stuck in life or do you have to move forward in a positive way and still be a positive role model for my for my beautiful daughter? And that's sort of the, uh, the avenue I took and that could only happen with the Lord. So some people think that when you say you forgive someone, you're just saying, oh, that doesn't matter, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it does matter, you know? It matters what that person did, they hurt you. Mm-hmm. But despite the fact that they hurt you, that they caused harm to you mm-hmm. personally and to your daughter and to the many, many people who, who loved your family. Despite that, you're saying, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to mm-hmm. let go of that resentment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to re- let go of that anger. And I'm going to move forward. If there's no ball and chain. And if you think of, right. of, of forgiving somebody, yeah. no matter how small, how big, it's yeah. like you lag something around with you and it's constantly uh, there. And it's yeah. always it's eating away from yeah. you. And every time that person that you, you can't forgive, name gets mentioned or thought comes into your mind, it's that dread, it's that feeling, it's that just, it, 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 I, the best way I could call it is just a weight and chain on you that you can't yeah. move away from. And the second you forgive, yeah. it, 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 it's just a peace that comes upon you and yeah. it's, it's a healing. And the one blessing, like I said, in the end, he's given me Victoria and I got to stand up strong and show her through the, the Lord's strength. And no matter what life throws at you, um, you could get through it. It's, it's hard with Victoria because, you know, I think the mothering part you know, is is what you're seeing now from from Gina because it's it's difficult knowing what she's lost. I promised Chrissy before I said my final goodbye. I promised her that I would always be in Victoria's life, and I promised her that um, I would take care of her daughter. And I promised Roy that his sister was going to be okay. And I promised Father. Vic is a very tough, young, intelligent, beautiful soul. But again, she's a teenager. And raising three teenagers, I know they have a very hard time expressing. And I understand and I'm patient. And and I'll, I tell her every day, I'll, I got your back. You might push me aside. It's okay. I'll be in the back. If you fall, I'll catch you. I always tell her that just to know that she's not alone. When she's ready, she'll she'll talk. How did God lead you to a church family? 
So in my journey, I went through many, many online pastors. And I'm, at this point now, I'm also reading uh, the word on my own. And there was one um, evangelist on YouTube. His name is Mark Fox. Uh, his channel is called Amazing Prophecies. The one thing that caught my eye about him is saying he, where, where he always mentioned and every time he spoke on his videos is that if it's, if it's in the Bible, we'll teach it. That caught my eye and that was really important. I like the church that this guy goes to. I was thinking in my head because they teach from the Bible and that's what I was worried about. Uh, aligning myself with a church that didn't teach the full word, the full gospels, uh, everything. He had a thing where at the end of his videos, he says, if you need us to pray for you, text me on my private cell and type the word pray. If you need to find a church in your area, do the same, text me the word church. And I did that. Uh, he reached out to me graciously and he spoke to me and I shared my testimony with him. And I shared you know, what I was going through and he helped guide me to Seventh-day Adventist church in my area. And I didn't even know what a, you know, a Seventh-day Adventist was at the time. I really didn't. And the one that's in my town here, Pickering, is called uh, Agape Temple. It, it brought me there. It brought me there. And I remember walking through the door one day. I just checked online when the service started. And the Sabbath was very important to me as well. I thought that, you know, worshiping on the Sabbath, that was God's day. It's in the Ten Commandments. And it was important to me. And I remember walking into the church and, you know, they accepted me. They saw just a stranger walk into the church and they but they accepted me and I remember after the service this is this is you know this is how God works sometimes um the first person that came and 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 started talking to me was uh, a fellow uh, sister named Pam on the 14th of March 2018 I was calling to go to work Ajax Pickering um in Emerge I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to work because Emerge can be very chaotic at times. So I, at first I removed, I um, said I didn't want to go. And then my boss asked me if I could come because of course Emerge can be chaotic. The day was going very well. It was a very slow day. Until around one o'clock, I said to my supervisor, I can't believe the day is so quiet. And she said, Elaine, don't say that because you know the minute you say quiet, it's gonna get it's gonna be a chaos. At 1.15, we heard code blue to emerge. We didn't know exactly what we were dealing with. So the patient comes in and with the MS team and they rushed straight in and Shortly after the cops came and we found out that it was a young girl who got stabbed and she bled so much and mom and the brother also got stabbed and passed away. Doctors came in and everybody was just chaotic and she was almost like lifeless. The doc some of the doctors, they were not able to deal with this kind of a trauma. So we called Sunnybrook and the doctor came on the phone while some of us went to the lab to get blood. Myself, I went to OR to get the instruments because it was so such an emergency. We couldn't, we didn't have time to take her to OR. The surgery was done right there in Emerge. So the doctor came and he said, I can't do this. I said to him, yes, you can. I'm gonna pray while you work. The doctor was on the phone from Sunnybrook and he was telling him to cauterize some of the arteries to stop the bleeding. So finally, she was stabilized. The air ambulance came and she was sent off to Sunnybrook. Vass was there, but I, I couldn't remember his face because we were running back and forth for a very long time. 
When we finished there, I came to church that Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. I came to church that afternoon. And then I testified of the incident that happened. And we really prayed. We prayed for the family and friends. And the next morning, I went to work and one of my coworkers said, Elaine, I have bad news for you. And I said, the kid died. I'm like, what? We worked so hard on her. I said, God, how could you? And so that was a situation. It always pops in my mind from time to time. And then sometimes later in the summer, it was my day to do Sabbath school. I came to church very early that Sabbath morning. It was around 8.30. And I saw a gentleman sitting right over there. And I said, wow, somebody beat me. My Sabbath school theme that morning was Paul's trip to Macedonia. I noticed he was listening very keenly. And when Sabbath school finishes, he said to me, I was so blessed by your Sabbath school. I'm like, truly? He said, yes. He said, I am from Macedonia. I'm like, what? He said, yes. So I said, okay, we'll talk right after church. So when church finishes, I went to him and I said, did you enjoy the service? And he said, yes, I, I, I do. He said, I know you. I said, yeah. Me? He said, yes. I said, from where? He said, uh, from Pickering, Ajax Pickering. I said, Ajax Pickering is a big place. He said, no, from the hospital. He said, do you remember the 14th of March? The mother and the two children that got stabbed. And you tried to save my daughter's life? I said, the person asking? He said, yes. And we just fell on each other's shoulder and we embraced and we cried. I said, how did you come here? And he said, um, you know, I've been going through such a rough time and I started to read my Bible. And the Spirit led me to the Sabbath. And I went on the internet and I realized this is the only church in this community. I said, Vas, stay right here. Pastor was standing over there talking to another gentleman. I said, Pastor Levy, you need to come now. He said, hold on a minute. I said, no, Pastor, now, I mean now. <laughs> and Pastor came and introduced him to Vas, and Pastor called his wife, and we embraced and we talked, and I left Pastor there talking to him. I took his phone number, and since then we started communicating, and the rest is history. Pastor and him became such good friends and I've been keeping in touch until he became a part of us. Yes. Like Pam said, I was, I was blown away because I had heard the news and um, we were praying for the family. And to have the same individual who suffers such a tremendous tragedy just strolled into our church, that had to be divine. He, from the onset, told me that, you know, what do I need to do? Like the Ethiopian eunuch, what do I need to do to be baptized? Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, 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 that's how he led our first conversation. The conversation shifted to um, <clears throat> the, the tragedy itself. We actually, for a brief moment, spoke, to, spoke about the, um, the perpetrator. And he looked me dead in my eyes and said, you know what, I've forgiven him. Mm. I was so shocked. You know, we have, seasoned believers uh, who still struggle with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, 
And to have this young man who has lost so much just come to this place where he's willing to, to let it go in the sense that all the pain and, 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 the, and the anger <coughs> and the resentment and the hate associated with the act to kind of release that to God mm-hmm. um, and to see the peace that's come over him. It's made Vaz a, a, a living testimony, a, a, living, a living witness of just how powerful Christ is. We always talk about purpose, he and I, but I don't think Vaz is 100% um, clear on how much what's gone on through such a tragedy has affected so many people and how it's affected um, even me in a, such a positive manner. A year ago this time, I was lost and now I know exactly the direction I'm going in. And I credit that all to Vaz and Jesus for talking to him, for influencing me. I credit it all to God for hearing my prayer. I, I'm just hopeful for for their future. And, uh, you know, I pray for them and I'm glad that he is um, strong spiritually right now. And we're hopeful, uh, you know, we're, we're blessed, I think, and, and we have hope. There was a time where I was, uh, I'm a very shy guy uh, in, in the past. It seems like when I'm talking about uh, the Lord, I, that shyness sort of turns off and I'm ready to, to, to shout it at the top of my lungs. But uh, yeah. a lot of them, yeah. amazing things have happened on my journey so far. And it's still so early in my journey that, you yes. know, it's, yeah. Yeah. can't wait how much more I could learn and experience through, through our Lord, right? So thank you so much for sharing with us. And we're going to close off now, but I just, I just thank you for opening up your home and opening up your heart and sharing your message. And I, I trust that you are, our viewers will also be blessed. Let's, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we read in your word that with God, all things are possible. And with man, um, this kind of forgiveness is is absolutely impossible and you have brought healing to Vass and and to his family and his friends and through him you have been a channel of blessing and so i thank you lord for hearing and for answering our prayers in jesus name amen amen, amen. so friends i hope that you have been tremendously blessed as i'm sure you have been by listening to Vass's story and remember that Jesus said that it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca. Or you can go to IIW Canada YouTube and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.